Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror, pop culture related, from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and of course, everything in between. I did a stupid thing just before starting recording this episode, and that was a drink of coffee. So my mouth is very phlegmy and like, that noise, you're gonna hear a lot of that today, so I'm sorry for that. But I also have a strange case for you today, as per usual. Don't worry, we will get back to some cryptid and supernatural stuff at some point in the near future, but for now we're going to focus on some of the true crime, just because I keep finding some really weird, strange cases. And this one is no exception. This one has been dubbed the boy found in a chimney, and it's the strange death and disappearance of Joshua Maddox. Yeah, you heard me, the boy found in the chimney. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. So once again, this story does involve a minor. Not necessarily a child, but definitely a child to some. At the time Joshua went missing, he was just 18 years old. And he was one of those kids who liked being outside. He was an outdoorsy kid. He liked going for walks and hikes and generally just being outdoors. Which is, you know, a good thing. Not enough kids do that nowadays. I don't get out enough, for Christ's sake. And I'm old. So it's good to see that youth. Youth? What am I, 80? Jesus. Kids still like to go outside, and there's still a few of them. And by all accounts, Joshua was a pretty good, active kid who enjoyed just life in general. However, on the fateful day of May 8th, 2008, Joshua left his residence to go for a nice long walk, and being the nature lover and free spirit that he was, it was nothing out of the normal for him. However, he never returned from said walk. Yeah. So what just happened to Joshua on that day? Well, that is still a mystery. But we can kind of walk through the steps and go over what happened. Now, there's no shortage of research material available to me on this, however... A lot of it is repeating as if one copied from the other, copied from the other, copied from the other. I find that happens a lot with especially these unsolved mysteries. So we're just going to go over what I think is relevant and we'll just take it from there. Now Joshua had a very normal upbringing from all accounts. He was born on March 9th, 1990 in Woodland Park, Colorado. He was described as a creative and intellectual spirit and enjoyed listening to music and writing in his spare time. Joshua was a good student in school, and he appeared to be well-liked and well-known by his classmates. His parents did divorce at one point, and he lived with his father Mike and his two sisters, Kate and Ruth. In 2006, however, depression took the life of his older brother, Zachary, when he was just 18. So as I said, a pretty standard upbringing despite the one tragedy that befell his brother, and then the tragedy that befell him. Now, for some reason, and I don't know the exact history behind this, but Joshua went missing on May the 8th, 2008. However, his dad didn't file a missing persons report until the 13th of May, 2008. He went on the record saying, quote, I got up one morning and Josh was there. Then he never came home. The next day, he still didn't come home. I called his friends, but nobody had seen him. Nobody knows where he is. 
So again, I don't know if it's common for Josh to go missing for five days without anybody noticing or saying anything. That seems really strange, especially for somebody who's only 18 years old. And for all accounts, probably in high school still, maybe graduated in the past year, but still, chances are he lived at home. I know when I was 18, even though I was still technically an adult, I think, by legal standards, I could vote, so there's that. If I went missing for five hours, somebody would have called the police. My mom, probably, because she was kind of that person who did that, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's a little bit of an overreaction. However, five days seems a little odd, a little suspicious in my mind, but I'm going to put a pin in that thought for just a moment, because I don't want to accuse anybody or anything like that, especially the dad who lost his son. So I'm not going to say, hey, he did it, because he didn't file a report. Maybe that was just Josh's history. The locals and the local police obviously did a massive search and investigation for Josh. However, even with days, weeks, and months of dedicated searching, the whereabouts of him or his remains weren't found. The initial assumption of the police was that he had either run away from home or harmed himself because his brother Zachary had killed himself two years prior. But his friends and family insisted that wasn't the case. There's no way he was going to harm himself in the same way that his brother did. And I would have to agree, generally, somebody who has experienced the loss from a suicide generally won't take their own life because they know how it makes other people feel. Yeah, you get that perspective. Anyway, I don't want to get into that topic too much, but it doesn't make sense that he would kill himself. As I said prior, Josh was regarded as a bright and joyful person. He was well-liked by his peers, his friends, classmates, anybody he'd ever met. It seemed improbable that he would have left or done anything to harm himself, and his past revealed no such signs of mental illness or known enemies, because every 18-year-old has an arch nemesis, and he'd never been even thought of as a drug user. So the thought of an OD somewhere was very out of the question. Or maybe he owed somebody money for drugs. Thought never crossed anybody's mind. So the chances of him doing anything to himself to cause this missing incident is very, very slim. Now I just want you to think for a second how long this entire search Hook. I'm gonna give you a second. So just do 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 do. It was seven years. Seven years it took for them to find where Josh was. And when they found him, he was not alive. It was a terrible, disturbing discovery. And Joshua's body was all but mummified, found in a cabin chimney less than two blocks away from his family house. Yeah, try to wrap your head around that one for a second. So in the 1950s, this cabin was bought by one Chuck Murphy. He'd previously been known as the Thunderhead Branch, an infamous drinking and dining place owned by, quote, Big Bert Bergstrom. Murphy's brother had lived in the cabin until 2005. After that, it deteriorated into a decrepit storage facility that Murphy very rarely visited. And I'm looking at a picture over here. It's a nice log cabin. It's a little out of Evil Dead. But pretty nice nonetheless. Decrepit, dilapidated, but nice. The bones are there, strong bones in this place. Now, on August 6th, 2015, Murphy began the demolition of the cabin for property development. Because everything nice has to go to a developer and condos built on the fucking spot for some reason. However, I guess in this case, thankfully they did because maybe they never would have found this boy's body if an excavator hadn't torn down the chimney and the boy's body just kind of fell out of it. In the darkness of the demolition construction site, there was a mummified human body. 
It was bent over in a fetal position and stuffed into the chimney with its legs above its head. Immediately upon finding this, the police were called and they arrived on the scene. Naturally, the police and the county coroner were accompanied by forensics experts and used dental records to identify the corpse. And of course, that result would shock everybody because it was Joshua Maddox. Autopsy results revealed that Josh had no drugs in his system and the body did not have any broken bones, nor did he suffer from any gunshots or fatal knife wounds, which is very, very peculiar. Jamming a body or a person, maybe even alive at the time, into a chimney can't be an easy feat. And doing so without breaking any bones or killing the person first via quick assassination style, gunshot, knife wound, whatever the case might be, that is a tough task. It's very curious how he did get into that chimney. While there were no hard pieces of evidence to suggest a cause of death, the coroner, Al Bourne, stated that Joshua's death was not sudden and that he had most likely died of hypothermia or dehydration. Here's the shocking bit though, in my opinion. His death was declared accidental by the coroner. It was Bourne's hypothesis that Joshua Maddox, who was 6 feet tall and weighed about 150 pounds, had attempted to descend the chimney. If this was the case, he would have been too far away for anybody to hear his cries for help, unless somebody was hiking or walking by by pure happenstance. Murphy, on the other hand, adamantly denies that his death was the result of an accident. According to him, someone stuffed Joshua inside the chimney. If this is the case, it would have taken at least two people to arrange Josh's body in the manner in which he was discovered. Nevertheless, Josh would have had to enter the chimney head first, which if you're going to climb down a chimney, you're not going to do. That seems foolish. You go in feet first, because why are you sticking your head down a deep dark hole that you can't see anything? It, anyway, the whole climbing down the chimney seems rather far-fetched in my opinion. Despite what the coroner said, most people do believe that foul play was implicated and for some basic reasons. To avoid difficulties with animals and debris, Murphy had put steel rebar on the chimney. Bourne contradicted this, however, alleging that no rebar was found at the crime scene. The cabin, on the other hand, was a construction zone when the body was discovered and the rebar had previously been dismantled and removed prior to the demolition. I think rebar is actually pretty expensive, so that kind of makes sense. Inside the cabin, a massive wooden breakfast bar had been removed from a kitchen wall and set in front of a fireplace. Joshua had been wearing nothing more than a thermal shirt when he was discovered. The rest of his clothes, including his socks and shoes, were inside the cabin and neatly folded next to the fireplace. So, what does that mean? Did he climb down the chimney half naked to get his rocks off? And then who folded the clothes next to the chimney if he got himself stuck? Again, according to eyewitnesses, the way he was found, he would have entered the top of the chimney head first based on the way he was found. So that means if he was trying to escape through the chimney, he would have had to go up feet first, which I think would be nearly impossible. So yeah, none of that makes sense. I just had to think about that for a second. None of it makes sense, so just don't worry about it. It's not an accidental death. He didn't do it to himself. There was one suspect as well related to this murder, and it was in the following years it would come to light that a guy by the name of Andrew Richard Newman, Newman, Seinfeld joke, had been one of the last persons to see Joshua alive. 
And not only that, but a witness alleged that Andrew had even boasted about killing him at one point. And I'm looking at a picture of this guy, and I don't know why everybody's headshots after being arrested. They look like a fucking psychopath. Every single one of them. Whether they're guilty or not, they look like they've just killed somebody. And they're gonna do it again. It doesn't bode well. I don't... It's just something weird about mugshots that just make everybody look evil. I don't know. Anyway. Andrew Richard Newman had a significant criminal past, which included attacking a police officer, disorderly drunkenness, grand theft, and battery. He had been caught for stabbing a disabled man to death, and it turned out that he admitted to murdering a woman and placing her in a barrel in Taos, New Mexico. However, police had already arrested someone for the woman's murder and decided to charge them instead of Andrew. Joshua's friends tried to have Andrew investigated by the police at the time, but their concerns were, of course, rejected. Authorities informed them that Joshua is still alive and well. Despite this, Andrew is said to have boasted about having put Josh in a hole. Josh's disappearance and ultimate death was very hard on his family. Obviously, they just lost a brother or a son prior to Josh's disappearance. His sister Kate wrote, Since Josh was 18, it had been reasonable to assume he may have decided to leave town and start a new life. As one of his older two sisters, I have always chosen to believe that this was the case. I half expected Josh to return home to my father's house at any time with a wife and a small child so that they could meet their grandparents and two aunts. Josh had always been known for his musical and literary talent, so maybe he would find himself playing music with a band on tour or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name so that he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods. And maybe because of this writing, or maybe for many other reasons, the police had no reason to suspect foul play and continued to list him as a missing person. Another suspicious, maybe even just plain weird coincidence is that this cabin, as mentioned, was two blocks away from the Maddox family home. Yet the searches for Josh never looked in this building. There had not been any sign of life and there was no reason to check the chimney especially. But the building still was there and for all intents and purposes it was fairly abandoned. It was used as storage, nobody had lived there in a few years and it was pretty run down. If somebody was missing or lost in the woods perhaps, this would be a good place for them to hide. To bunk out for a little while and just kind of live until they maybe had the energy to run off and go find help or get out of the woods. Now, I'm not saying that Josh was lost in the woods, but I'm saying it's a possibility that somebody would be in there, and it would make sense to at least check inside. If they had at least opened the door and looked inside, they would have seen Josh's clothes neatly folded by the fireplace. We've also talked about the coroner in this case, who apparently had a lot of discrepancies in the coroner's report. Now, it's no surprise that many locals had issues with the coroner's report, including Josh's family. Even Chuck, the cabin's owner, questioned the coroner's report, stating that the chimney had been built 20 years prior, and during its construction, it had been fitted with a thick wire mesh hung from steel hooks to keep animals and debris from being lodged inside the chimney, which I think is a fairly standard practice for cabins in the woods. Murphy said, quote, It was a heavy wire grate, a wire mesh, and I installed it across the chimney, about one row of bricks from the top. We didn't want trouble with the raccoons and things like that getting into the chimney. However, Bourne was of the opinion that the grate could have been rusted or corroded and further stated, saying, quote, Nobody saw the metal mesh. We didn't see it in any of our photos. It may have just disappeared over time. Naturally, 
Murphy responded, saying that during the demolition, all metalwork had been collected and taken for scrap, so this was done prior to finding the body in the chimney. And that would explain why the mesh was not found. Also, despite Bourne saying that, yeah, he climbed in the chimney himself, and he totally did it head first. He later on said, well, it would have probably taken two people to put him in the position that he was found in. So yeah, Josh is two people, and one of those two people fold the... Uh, so as you can see, the discrepancies and the logic just kind of falls apart with his corner. However, despite all the evidence suggesting that something did happen to Josh and he didn't do this on his own, the coroner sort of doubled down on his irrational logic, and he said, of the clothes that were found outside the fireplace, quote, this one really taxed our brains. We found his clothing just outside the fire pit. He only had a thermal t-shirt on. We don't know why he took off his clothes, took off his shoes and socks, and why he went outside, climbed up onto the roof, and went down the chimney head first. It was not linear thinking. Maybe because he didn't do that. Fuck me. This guy has a job. He has a degree, a doctorate, and probably a medical license. And he thinks a boy broke into a cabin, took off half of his clothes, went outside and climbed down the chimney. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever said book smarts were everything. The autopsy was eventually revised, however, the accidental death remained. He said, quote, we've come up with a more plausible explanation and it will remain an accident. He did come down the chimney on his own. That is our conclusion. Murphy apparently said, quote, there is no way that guy crawled inside that chimney with the steel wiring. He didn't come down the chimney and he remained convinced that Josh's death had been no accident, adding, quote, he was only wearing a thermal shirt, no pants, no shoes or socks. Murphy said it was ridiculous to think a teen stripped down just to his shirt climbed up on the roof and then climbed down the chimney, knowing that he'd be trapped. Again, that, yeah, Murphy is the only one here thinking straight. So let's just do a rundown summary of this case. Again, these are all theories I'm going to posit here, but still, it's just very strange that A, his dad took five days to report him missing. B, the coroner went, hey, yeah, this is totally an accident. Nothing suggests this was an accident, but I'm going to say it's an accident. See, his clothes were outside of the chimney that he was found in. There was also a bar, like a drinking bar, not like a hand bar, but something you would sit at to drink, wedged from the wall and placed in front of the chimney, as if, you know, maybe trying to block him in. He was folded in half and shoved up a chimney, a way that wouldn't be physically possible for really anybody to do on their own. It sort of feels like a little bit of a cover-up is going on here. There was a suspect, but the police really didn't look at him because they thought, hey, Josh is alive and well somewhere else, and they even said that on multiple occasions. So it's just hard for me to fathom why anybody would logically think that Josh had just simply fallen into this chimney by himself, less than two blocks from his own home. It all feels very suspicious, like there is potentially a cover-up going on. And I'm not saying anybody's corrupt or that's the case, it just feels like it. But that's all I got for you today. If you have any ideas what you think might have happened to Josh Maddox, please feel free to let me know. You can do so on any social media links. And I'll have those in the description below. But my name is Casey and this has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a like and rating on 
Spotify. Any five-star ratings will be shouted out on the show if you let me know that you did it. So thank you to the 19 people who have done so so far. And the one person who left less than a five-star rating. I don't know who that was, but still, thank you for leaving feedback anyway. If you want to contact me, you can do so on social media, which a recent fan of the show has just done, actually. And his name is Jesse. So thank you for reaching out on Facebook. And you can do that on Facebook at Horror Shots. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Horror Shots Prod, as in production, or on Instagram at Ominous Origins Pod. So until probably later this week, because this is a Monday and it's a weird time for me to be dropping episode, I'll see you then.